0: Just have to say it that when I say well good morning folks almost every single morning that I say that I go back to Mr. Ed I'm just saying Uh, I go back to Wilbur I I don't know why I do that it's in my brain Um, hey Claire all the way in the Philippines good evening to use it was it 12 hour how many hour difference is it over there in the Philippines, and uh, some lovely pictures we've seen on your Facebook page. Uh, Glad to have you over there, and uh, praying for you to have a fantastic time as you are there in the Philippines. 12-hour difference. All right. Fantastic. Yeah, good. Super. Well, enjoy that family time. I know it's been a long time since you've been uh, been, uh, over there, so we're just Absolutely tickled that uh, that uh, you that you're over there with family and can spend some time over there. We are in Acts chapter 15, and um, we began it last week, and we will continue it uh, this week um, for a few days till we get worked through until we've worked our way through this particular passage. Uh, to see what it says now. The, the issue at hand here is that they were adding extra things to um, uh, salvation that they were saying you have to do other things in order to be saved. Uh, and sometimes we border even even those of us that are in decently good standing and uh, will border into um, almost wanting to to push people into things that uh, we sometimes add, and we talked a lot about that. We spent a lot of time on that on Friday uh, last week, talking about the, the different things that some groups add. As an example, you have to speak in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, then you're not saved. I mean, it, the assurance of your salvation only comes when you have spoken in a tongue. I have never spoken in a tongue. Now, I will tell you, I have begun praying that the Lord will, not. not that the Lord will give me tongues, uh, is gibberish, but I, I struggle with uh, learning languages. And in my role uh, with Concentric, and, and even even locally we're finding it would be helpful, you know, to speak some uh, some uh, Filipino uh, dialects uh, or to be able to understand those things. They don't come easily to me or even just communicating with uh, uh, hob that's Jacob, just in case you're wondering, our dear Pastor Jacob. Um, yeah, he speaks English. It's just fine, but, but you know, to be able to speak some Spanish or uh, Arabic or other languages, and, and it's something I struggle with, but um, I, I, I've started praying that the Lord will help me. That it'll come easy, more easily for me. Now. I, it would be phenomenal if the Lord just made it a gift and said, Hey, uh, Jim Bob, here you go. Uh, you, um, I'm going to make it much, much easier for you than than what you're used to experiencing. But I would be blessed and pleased if, if the Lord did that. Um, but anyway, that's another side note. Uh, and maybe you're in that situation too. Uh, I mean, we don't have a lot of uh, varying languages here. But, friends, I think it's growing. And I think those of us that figure we'll be around here in our parts, in this part of Maine, um, I think in the next 10 years, uh, we will most likely see an increase of varying languages. I mean, Portland is an example of places where there's there's been an influx of Hispanics. There's been a his, an influx of Somalis, Sudanese, uh, various people from, from various places in the world. Huge influx, so much so that there are housing problems down there. And I think it will trickle its way up to where we live. And uh, I want to be adept at being able to communicate with folks because of the gospel. It's all a side note. Uh, the, the the issue we're talking about are people who add things to being saved. You know, you need to do these. Uh, some people say, "Well, you you have to be baptized to be saved." And and again, we looked last week at a verse back in Acts two where Peter said, "Repent and be baptized." So some people point to that verse and go, "Well, you got to be baptized to be saved because of what Peter said." And and there there are some things that the Lord allowed to be put into His Word that sometimes I think, Lord. I, I'm not going to question you, but I, I just wonder why why you put allowed that to be put in your word that way because sometimes it causes confusion for for uh, for some people. No, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. One thing you have to do to be saved, you have to have genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You need to turn from from self and its ambitions to heaven and to think that your works will get you to heaven, and you need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and that alone. Fida sole, that, it, that means faith alone. Uh, by grace alone is how we are saved. Uh, now, there is teaching, and, and I, I think there is some merit to this, that even the faith we have, God, God generates, God enables us to even have the faith to believe, Uh, And and that begins to to get into some area of some speculation, Uh, even among uh, notable theologians like the late R.C. Sproul, um, or others of a much much more Reformed type of camp, or uh, even a Calvinistic camp. Those are words I I tend to not get into too much in my broadcast, uh, who would say, well, God even gave you the faith to believe. It's all of God. Uh, and and I look at the scriptures, and I, I look at at how we live life. Um, I, I I see a man's part and a God's part in that. I mean, we have to believe it is a response that, that we give to the gospel, and that is a part that, that we have to play uh, in um, in our salvation. Now, there's an issue uh, in Acts chapter 15. The issue is. <clears throat> that there were they were adding some things uh, even way beyond tongues. It says, uh, let's just pick up here, and we'll try to more quickly get down a little bit uh, deeper into the text than we did uh, the other day. It said, some men came to from Judea to Antioch <clears throat> and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. I mean, they were absolute. You cannot be saved. Now, what about the women? What was required for the women? For the men, you, you know, circumcision. That's what they're saying had to happen. And they're talking, yes, the physical penile circumcision. That's what they're talking about here. Um, and this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. <clears throat> the church sent them on their way, and as they traveled throughout Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the brothers very glad. Now, uh, we, I think in this general section is where we left off on Friday, and uh, we pick up today. Um, now, I want to make note of 15.3. The church sent them on their way. I mean, the church should be a sending entity. Now, if we, as our church at Veracity Chapel, were part of a larger entity and organization like, um, as an example, a a denomination like the Southern Baptist, whether that's good or bad in in your ears is irrelevant, just using that as an example. Or like the Evangelical Free Church of America, or uh, the the Christian Missionary Alliance, or if we were part of some other group and there were conference, perhaps we would be sending delegates to a conference. Um, and personally, I find great value in being aligned with another entity. We are not uh, in our church, but I find have found uh, over my 36-plus uh, years of pastoral ministry, uh, great benefit in being a part of that. So we would send delegates to meetings and in this sense, they are sent. Uh, or the church would send people to uh, on a missionary trip, missionary endeavor. Uh, and one of the things with sending people on missionary endeavors in our day, when you consider the cost of going some places, some of those places would be better served if we didn't go, if we sent like two delegates uh, instead of sending a dozen people. Now, if it's a building project, that's one thing. But but here's, here's the thing, to send... a uh, a dozen people to some place where everybody's plane ticket costs uh, $1,500, that is a significant chunk of change. What's the math on that? Uh, 12 times 15, whatever the math is on that, uh, $1,500. Uh, that's how much, uh, you know, send two people as delegates uh, and then s- collect that same amount of money and send it. And that may serve far better in those. Missionary uh, outposts. Uh, I know that would be the case in in uh, South Sudan or in Malawi or in places like that. Uh, rather than sending a, a great big contingency, where where you've just spent twenty thousand dollars in airline tickets, uh, less people go. The church sent them. The church should be a sending entity now. We announced yesterday that that I am transitioning my role uh, at at Veracity Chapel more quickly. I mean, we said six months to two years, and uh, here at the end of August. But the church, our leadership, is sending me to to regional and global ministry, uh, and will continue to be a part uh, and to be engaged. and And my prayer is that Veracity Chapel. Now, it's going to be up to our leadership what what they choose to do. Uh, there is much engagement that can happen should the leadership in the church choose to do so. And it may not be for the church to do that, and I'm okay with that, uh, but the church is sent. We we're, we may try to work in one more missionary this summer, possibly, if, if time allows, or even fall, uh, who serves in Japan, uh, somebody that uh, we, as a church, could support, and I think we should support, uh, Uh, And and I think we need to up the game in in terms of uh, world missions. Um, In our church, again, uh, we we had seasons of being quite strong there, and and now we're not as strong as we once were. Uh, And I think we need to get back to that and be robust uh, and send people. We sent to Dave and Shirley Diepenbrock uh, when when Milton and Wendy Higgins were part of uh, CEF uh, at the neighborhood house sent them in fact we should view ourselves as having sent Kristen marshall jala um, to the neighborhood house even though that's not their full-time role and i don't know if there's any income for them in that uh, and we there are other leaders there now other directors but the thought of sending verse three again back to this says the church sent them on their way as they traveled through phoenicia and samaria they told how the gentiles had been converted their brothers were glad. What makes you glad? I mean, and I shared on July 2nd, we're going to be having a, a brunch in place of a worship service uh, and an opportunity for testimonies. And friends, I I want to cue you up who listen to me here on this broadcast. Get, get a testimony prepared, something to share. We'll have like open mic testimonies. And, uh, you know, you have open mic comedy. Why not open mic testimonies to share the things that God is doing? And it says, the people were glad, verse 3. Verse 4, when they came up to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church, the apostles and elders. They reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders met to consider this question. Now, notice what it says. These are not just Pharisees. They are believers. They were Pharisees who believed the gospel, um, a.k.a. perhaps Nicodemus had believed the gospel. Uh, Nicodemus from, from John chapter 3, perhaps he was one. This verse here in Acts gives us a clue to the fact that, um, that there were Pharisees uh, of that ruling party who had believed and responded to the gospel. Uh, and yet, they 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 brought some of their baggage with them, or or some of their thinking. Let's not call it baggage yet, uh, but they they had spent their whole lives uh, um, with this line of thought, and, and and they to them it made sense to carry it into this new found Christian faith, and um, and they so they're the ones saying they must be circumcised. And required to obey the law of Moses. Verse six said the apostles and elders met to consider it. So, how do you make a decision in in a church context? You give it to your leadership. That's why it is important to not just have a solo leader. In my opinion, uh, I I have over the years have found great comfort in a plurality of leaders making significant decisions. Now, I know some church environments. Well, it's all up the pastor. Pastor has really sole authority. Personally, I think that can be quite dangerous. Um, now, I, I I'm just stating a personal opinion. Uh, when, when what whatever the pastor says goes, I I, I don't think that that is necessarily um, the safest or wisest uh, model. I, I do believe in the plurality of, of leadership, like we have in our church, and and that plurality is strengthened uh, even even more in this last year, and and I give God thanks for that. Um, Verse 7 says this, After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them, saying, Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. Now, I'm going to adjust the page here for those who are looking, uh, either live or online later. There, so it's back at the top of the page now. Again, if we recall, the Holy Spirit was given to those Gentiles in a visible way. And and, and I, I taught, and, and I believe personally, that the reason that there was that delay factor is that there needed to be a substantiation in the mind of Peter and the others that were with Peter, a visible effect of salvation uh, within the lives of these Gentiles uh, so that the Jewish believers would know, the Messianic believers would know that, yes, in fact, this gospel is also for the Gentiles. And I believe that is why the Lord poured out the Holy Spirit uh, upon those Gentiles in such visible fashion, uh, almost delayed fashion, uh, to just substantiate, yes, in fact, the gospel does belong to all people uh, who will receive it. Verse 9 picks up, and he says, He made no distinction between us and them, for he purified their hearts by by faith, And, and I could add in there, just as he purified our hearts by faith, verse 10 now then why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear. No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. It's the same gospel. it is the same method it is the same approach Now just to talk about verse nine for a moment, he made no distinction between us, uh, purified our hearts by faith and verse 10. Uh, now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers? I mean, sometimes as Christians we do that. Sometimes we start heaping things up on people. Well, you you need to do this. You know, you need to do your hair a certain way. You need to dress a certain way. You need to wear certain types of clothes. You need to. Now, I I want to say something that I was thinking about yesterday. Uh, I I was. I mean, I I do spend a fair amount of time on Facebook. Uh, along the way partly because it's networking partly because it's relationship building for me it is uh to a certain measure uh, but I, I have to I have to say this and I'm not trying to sound legalistic um i, I don't think we should get all wrapped up well you're, you you don't wear a big a great big hat uh to church as you should I mean you remember those days some of you maybe wouldn't and this was maybe more a southern thing but but the ladies had to wear the big fancy hats I think that they did nothing more than draw attention to the individual and away from Christ. Or the beautiful dresses. Nothing wrong with a beautiful dress, but it was—it almost came to be the type of thing, if you didn't dress that way, then what type of Christian were you? Now we've swung so far the other way, and I, I, I don't think that we have to go to that length. But as I was starting to say about Facebook, I have noted some, some Christian women uh, wearing very short dresses or much more revealing clothing, and I don't think that that is good either. And I, I just was perplexed by, it. and maybe I'm perplexed by that because I'm a man, and um, you know, it's just here's a Christian sister and dressing in a way that, that men have trouble with their eyes. Now you can may- blame the men. And that's what some do. Well, it, men just have to get a hold of themselves. Well. So You're not helping any sometimes. And, and, but there's an example. We, we can swing, okay, we can swing from being legalistic about you have to be dressed to the, to the nines, uh, to, uh, to attend church to, you know, dress in such ways that are provocative to, to the men around you and cause them to stumble. Somewhere in there is, is, is a balance. In fact, later on, uh, Paul. In writing to Timothy, we'll talk about the modesty of women in their dress. So I, I just want to throw that out there. Now, I don't think any of you that are listeners right now that I know of uh, are, are do that type of thing. But I just I did uh, I, I did note some younger Christian women yesterday, and like disappointing. And it's like uh, we don't have to be legalistic about it. But what are you thinking about? So anyway. Uh, and yet, I say all that, and at times along the way, we we have put uh, uh, heavy yokes on people's necks and, and, and added up all these things that, well, good Christians do this, and good Christians. And we made it all about the exterior. In fact, I was in conversation with somebody yesterday, and I mean, it, it comes right down to even the, uh, you know, I, my hair has to look just so. Uh, and, and, and how has sometimes that moralism and that that legalistic uh, uh, tendency uh, pushed down deeper into areas of our lives, where, or maybe it should not. We have to be careful. I mean, we will put things on people, heavy yokes on people's necks, well, yet we will give ourselves a pass in so many other areas that we should not be giving ourselves a pass. I think we have to be careful there. So let, let me let me press in a little bit further here um, into the passage and uh, see what he says. Uh, verse eleven, he said, "No, we believe it's through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved, just as they are." Um, and then the whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling them about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. God was substantiating thing, things uh, to them uh, through the miracles. Uh, God was showing that, yes, the gospel belongs to the Gentiles, and they had been saved already as witnessed by the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, not through... Uh, not through uh, this added act of circumcision or other things that would be heaped upon them. It is by by God's grace, through faith, alone. So it says when they'd finished speaking, verse 13, James spoke up, brothers, listen to me. Simon is described to us. So they're talking about Simon. He's pointing to Simon, Peter. Uh, How God at first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written, as after this I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I'll rebuild, I'll restore, that the remnant of men may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things that have been known for ages. He concludes, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues of the Sabbath. I mean, it wasn't, see, the... James didn't come back and say, well, whatever happens, whatever goes. I mean, there were some things. Now, this wasn't salvific. Uh, this wasn't about their salvation. But because they are saved now, what he's talking about in verse 20, abstain from food polluted by idols. I mean, some people uh, would would eat the food, and, and would find themselves engaged in idol worship. Uh, or, uh, I was just talking yesterday with somebody about going to, with my son-in-law, actually, about going to uh, the Church of Holy Sepulchre in Israel, and, and Bing had been on our broadcast one time and commented that you go in there and you see um, uh, you see that um, the people are... are Performing these extra acts, hoping to have an extra measure of grace from God or with God, uh, an extra measure of approval from God. I mean, they're touching the the stone, or they're they're wanting to get into to see the into the holy sepulchre, so that they're uh, you know it might help them to to have an assurance of salvation, and uh, that. That couldn't be further from the truth. And in that sense, there's food polluted by idols. There can be tourism polluted by idols in that sense. The sexual morality he talks about, there are things in the law of God that still carry, but these things don't save you. Abstaining from the food polluted by idols or abstaining from sexual morality don't um, doesn't uh, save you or or from the meat of strangled animals and from blood, these things don't save you, but they're, they're, they're practices that a believer needs to put into practice. Verse 21, he said, for Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times until now. So what do they do? Uh, how do they how do they communicate this? Let me just go a little bit further. I might run a little over this morning. It says the apostles, elders with the whole church, decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch, where this problem had stemmed from with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, two men who were leaders among the brothers, with them, they sent the following letter. The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, uh, greetings. We have heard that someone out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear brother, uh, with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth that we are writing. I mean, Paul and Barnabas had gone from the, from the area, and they could think, well, how do we know they even went to Jerusalem? How do we know this letter is even from, from back in Jerusalem, from the leaders at Jerusalem? Well, that's why they sent uh, witnesses uh, along, Barsabbas and Silas, or Judas and Silas, to confirm by word of mouth that what we are writing they said it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements: you're to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled to animals, and sexual morality. You do, you, you will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. Now again, you will do well. It, it, it's it's the idea. It is uh, if you do these things, you will be saved. It's just these things would be good for you to do. These are these are things that. that Christian practice, you you need to uh, take note of and do these things. So into verse 30, we read, The men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers. After spending some time there, they were sent off. Here's this idea of sending again by the brothers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. So you see the sending back and forth, but Silas decided to remain there. Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. Now, I just want to highlight, it says, where they and many others. Friends, it would be our desire that, that people would say, uh, we would see many others. First, we read about Paul and Barnabas preaching the scriptures. But now we read about others preaching the scriptures. That there would be others who would stand up for Christ. Yesterday in our church, there was a young man who kept saying, "Hey, here's the page number for for that reference." And he did fantastic giving the page number. I said, "Be careful you become a preacher." In fact, maybe we had to pray toward that end. Would that not be a joyous thing? And I think there are many younger people that that God would tap, and we need to see a fresh, uh, a fresh sending of people uh, to ministry. We, we've kind of backed away, but but we need to see people who are called who will stand up to preach the word of the lord who teach the word of the lord whether it's in sunday school classes or as pastors or at conferences or in bible colleges and if god is tapping on you follow his lead and just like we see here in acts 15:35 many others taught and preached the word of god may that may we see that rising up and sending out uh, among among God's people. Well, I've gone a little bit over today just to try to um, get through this passage. I, I thank you for indulging me uh, with just a few extra minutes here. Uh, don't be deluded. Don't be deceived. We are saved through faith by God's grace alone. We, we respond to God's grace and faith, and, and that's what what activates the relationship with God, uh, and, and then there will become an internal witness of the Spirit that verifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And then because we're saved, then we begin to, to see our lives change. Things that were once important, some of them become worthless, meaningless, and like dung to us some of our sinful practices. And there are other things that were very good things that become lesser things because there's a greater thing in our life, namely the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, friends, it's been good to be with you today, Uh, good to be able to delineate uh, Scripture. I trust that anybody who listens to this, whether it's now or later, if you don't know Jesus Christ, that you will entrust your life to him by faith, making him the Savior of your life, and that you will choose to begin following him each and every day, Uh, and that perhaps some of you are tapped to consider the sending relationship that the church should have and sending people, and perhaps some of you would even be sent. Uh, Follow the Lord. Love the Lord. Be obedient to the Lord. Let's make his fame great among us. Lord, that's our prayer. Make your fame great among us as we live for you seek to make you known. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, have a great day. I will see you again tomorrow.